the theme for the uh, afternoon uh, talk is the exploration of uh, evolution along with dreams, desire, karma, karma. and God help us, <laughs> compassion. Okay. So the general overview for a, for a, for a, a moment or, or two. Uh, we as human beings living on this earth have this precious and wonderful capacity for reflection. We have a wonderful networks of scientists who devote their working lives to contributing to help us understand our history, understand our, our uh, past. And all of that in its evolution and in its movement in the Dharma language is called the process of becoming. So there is no carrying in the concept any kind of naturally growing to something higher. There is a process of becoming. And in that becoming, sometimes, but not always, we are adapting to situations. In that process of uh, becoming, the influences upon ourselves, upon our life, our shape, our form, our views, genuinely can have a very, very long history to it. And we need, at times, uh, rather than this self-self-self viewpoint, which is easy to carry, to step back, so to speak, and just look at our small place in this universe and recognize the huge processes which have gone on to make us, you and I, at this point in this becoming or evolutionary process. We are the living ones. We are the living generation. It is us who are somewhat the carriers of the history of the entire species and the entire earth. Somewhere it's with us. And as we make this very short journey through this field of existence, we have the opportunity, and it's a precious one, to look at what it is to be human, to acknowledge the influences of the forms and shapes and movements in the vast field of time that make us like this. And what is remarkable in all of this just at the physical level, the differences are tiny between us, without any exception. The eyes are above the nose, the mouth is below the nose, and two ears are stuck on the side of the head. And one just goes all the way down through the body. We might say that even the differences in the gender are tiny, Women generally have a little bit more up top and less down below and men have a bit more down below and less up top. What's all the fuss about? So here we are and yet within all the differences that you and I have uh, uh, we look at and, and the tiny differences that there are like the examples I gave somehow not always, we can recognise each other. 
we can we, we know enough we can see enough differences between one and the and the other and all of that's part of this commonality much in common uh, with the differences when it comes to karma yeah, and it's a really important aspect of this it is very important to be very very precise with the use of this word because there's a lot of foolish idiotic we might say use and application of this word uh, karma which is brutal, essential and discriminating and what I have and mean by that is the wise use of karma only, only ever refers to a person's relationship to their history in the present and any use of the karma which says it's their karma is gross it's abusive and it's obscene wherever it is used in a generalised way it's, it's as discriminatory as homophobia as, as Islamic phobia as anti-Semitism it's a, it's a racist term against groups of people when a person says it's their karma really, it really is uh, vulgar to hear these Can statements you which way should you karma? exactly what I'm coming to sir so as I just said, karma is only to be used with regard to a person, her, his, our relationship to the past. The word karma is a reference to the unsatisfactory influences of the past on the present which is affecting the way we look at life, at ourselves and at others. This is karma, it's very precise. It's the unsatisfactory impact or influence of the past upon the present, up upon our perceptions. And sometimes that karma, when it action or movement, when it lands in the present uh, uh, there, it may show itself sometimes in very problematic mind states. Something from the old is moving through and it's called the fruit of the karma, that means it lands in the present and it affects the way we look at ourselves, look at each other, look at life and much, much more. And the teachings are an exploration of exploring and understanding and dissolving the unhealthy unhelpful impact of the views which come and the impressions and the storehouse of stuff from the old into the present it's a business of ending the karma there is karma and some of you may have had the thought as I was talking which is called making of good karma wholesome karma but one needs extraordinary vigilance with this because, and some will know here from your first-hand experience there is the intention to do good there is the intention to be good to do good things but one needs to be aware that there can be uh, a force or an identification about doing good and being good 
And that movement, connected with other karmas, get linked up together, and a person is doing good, doing good, doing good, unaware of the impact of the past on the present, it ends up in burnout. It ends up in distress. It ends up in self-doubt. It ends up, I'm not good enough. And the more that one is trying to be a good person, the more the voices can keep reacting against it. Karma is, as I mentioned, only to be related and spoken of in relationship to a person and never ever under any circumstances to be related to a group and to recognise not only can I dissolve the unsatisfactory karma but also can I resolve karma which is I think I'm doing good but I don't realise my busyness and my habit and my desire to get things done and all of that in the doing good field is actually ending up generating a problem for me and a problem for others. All in the name of being a good person. All in the name of doing good. So in these teachings, it's the ending of the karma, not easy to hear this, of doing good and not doing good. It's another way of responding. Others may say to you, to us or whatever, oh, she or he is doing good, doing really good things, etc. Be very careful. One doesn't grab onto the idea of this. And say, oh, I'm doing good. I'm a really good guy. I'm really doing something good. And then wanting to do even more good why? To impress people. Oh dear, watch out. So, liberation is the ending, not easy to hear, it needs meditation and mindfulness, it's the ending of karma. Or to put it in another way, an ending of the unsatisfactory influences of the past and the present so that we're not responding because of a habit of the past quote unquote good or bad we're actually responding through clarity through the wisdom of the present through the mindfulness and the meditating upon from the uh, insights and therefore the teachings are recognising the acknowledgement of the movement of time recognising which in it we need to give attention to and remember pretty well every therapist every psychologist uh, every person who's dealing with social issues and domestic family issues and lots of health issues and so forth actually is wishing to bring an end to the person's karma if one uses it and one has to be very careful with the language again to see it much more in impersonal than personal terms. Because if one doesn't, the accusing finger will come out and 
it might be at the individual and one would say oh well it's his karma it's her karma it's my karma and the language of pointing the finger is going will bring, bring and carry a tone of blame it's their own fault it's my own fault it's my karma and that's going to be a recipe for guilt so in the relationship of the present to the past it requires of us a certain vigilance and mindfulness there there are these other topics times going by but don't hang in um, we'll get to them there, there are situations I, I have in mind here physical health situations woman or man has seen through a lot of this karmic stuff there's a much greater sense of being and contentment and natural happiness in life really engaged in the service of others it's not coming from compelling need of pressure from the past to be a do-gooder uh, there. but she or he may have some health issues those health issues may generate serious sickness in the present but it's to be very very careful once again in using the language of karma here so in other words in the evolutionary process the ending of karma cannot guarantee nor assure anybody of perfect health and illness and sickness and the aging process and the conditions from the past in that area may land in the present and that has got nothing whatsoever to do with the mind state therefore there's no karma in it it's just that the body physically has been carrying this whatever it may be about and it emerges in the present but it's not a karmic activity if it was then there could not be any possible end to karma because one would have to have perfect health and no sickness nothing in their DNA nothing whatsoever in the genes no cancer, no heart disease or whatever so we need to make a, a difference between the recognition of karma in the way that I've spoken but not put it into the body as, as well though the actuality can be for many men and women who do not feel to be under the pressure of the past in any way that does take the pressure off the body and so one's daily life there can be for those who are not under a burden of history the burden of the past there can be a lot of natural health natural happiness natural well-being natural compassion and love because one doesn't feel under the pressure of the old and therefore the body will live more easily in this world 
but to repeat, no guarantee of the continuity of health. Doesn't get too ambitious in this. <coughs> One of the other, oh, I forgot the water. Trying not to, so, so, so sorry, Jim. Oh, thank you, sir. Can I ask for translation for a word? The request is, uh, of course, you can. It's for a translation of the word. Yeah, Which so word? Unsatisfactory. Unsatisfactory is the reason. No, Mr. Beck. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. I'll wait for the good lady to uh, to come. So, different ways of ex expressing the same thing. In your experience here, as an example, one hears it's another language, but it's the same thing. The Buddha speaks, Dharma teachings speak unmistakably, unmistakably, the ending of desire. No fudging it, it's, it's crystal clear. And it does cause people some difficulty there. But it is important, the precision of the ending of desire is, that's different in the language, it's a force of movement, wanting, which has in it a blind spot. One doesn't realise there is a certain, there I use the word corruption in the wanting. The self is tied up uh, with it. Just speaking about wanting and desire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get to the difference in a minute. <laughs> Thank you, Shirley. And so desire, there is something unsatisfactory about it in which there is some wanting there is self that means self-interest there and that desire may land on an object which distorts the value of it I want, I must have, I need, I must get uh, and it exaggerates the importance or the desire can come backwards to oneself so to speak, and land on oneself, and the desire can be blaming oneself, that has desire, greed has desire in it, anger, violence and blame has desire in it, fear, agitation, worry, negativity has desire in it, boredom has desire uh, in it, contraction has desire in it, so wherever we look at the vast range of the human experience in its problematic mode, somewhere in anyone that you and I describe, there will be felt and known, or unfelt and not known, some desire in it. Any problematic state of mind, there will be some desire in it. The desire may be just to get out of it. Still there. And we wonder, why is it when I'm in a state of desire for something to start, something to stop, 
something to change, something not to change. Why is it I can't just have a desire and stop the problem? Why can't I just have a desire and get what I want? <laughs> and this is the... I haven't forgotten the water. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, there's tremendous encouragement to look at desire and to end desire as just defined. Wanting problematic, distorted, I and my in it, dependency on result, reactivity, and so forth. Even the desire to do good. <coughs> Keep trying to do good and at some point the reaction will come. In the teachings, here comes the water bit, in the, t in the teachings, a fresh language is used there may be a skillful intention the action towards and an understanding that that which I wish for it's a different word in the uh, Pali that which I wish for may arise or it may not so plenty of times you and I we can express we can experience in the being some thoughts with some skillful intention and it's not permeated with desire. We can express our voice to share with another and it's not charged with wanting to convince nor impress. There are times when we can engage in action whatever that may be about and it hasn't got desire in it there is an intention, there is an action, and there is an outcome, perhaps, sooner or later. And it's part of our practice to know clearly that which, has, which is action, not karma in its unsatisfactory way, it's the, the freedom to act, which is the great freedom of life there, which is not subjected all this stuff which may show itself as this wanting and desire and neediness and craving and so forth and to get the sense of that clear in our engagement with life so there is a request for water the voice expressed the intention it was a wish surely very kindly and compassionately but to provide it I could put hand on the heart I didn't notice any desire I won't say that all the time but in this situation it was a request with an intention uh, there and sometimes we, we know we can sense clear intention wise communication an invitation and the action and sometimes we know it's just me wanting, wanting, wanting. And, and it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right inside. Whether it's wanting so much from ourselves or from life or from people we know or from our 
politicians, which is always a hopeless desire. And uh, <laughs> it will be confirmed on the 17th, by the way. And um, much, much more. So we really want to know where the movement is with clarity, skillful intention, action to accompany it, but not coloured and distorted. Right? Drink the talk now. Yes. (laughs) 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 Nice and cold too. Um. The teachings has been said a few times uh, today it's a liberation teaching you know you've been hearing it like a mantra it is to free up the being it's really free it up to wake it up and not be dragged down by the circumstances in this case uh, history and in that freeing up it's, it's the liberation of the body it's the liberation of the voice it's the liberation of the heart it's the liberation of the mind it's the liberation of consciousness it's, it really is to, to free it up and many ways that we can explore this freeing up in the areas of the heart very precious and uh, uh, important uh, area and several of you over uh, the days um, quite a few of you obviously, have touched upon the, the, the matters of the heart. And particularly in the, this uh, exploration of the heart, the freeing up of the heart would include some expansion of it. But it is important, and this is where the, the compassion aspect of this comes in, it is important to recognise it is appropriate at times, of course, to develop the expansion of the heart, but like the breath, there can be expansion and contraction. And I don't belong to the school of thinking, it's a kind of evolution of constantly trying to expand the heart. I'm not quite sure if that is possible. I think the universe, as our scientists say, and our being, is a little bit more in the world of expansion and contraction rather than infinite expansion uh, there. And sometimes it makes uncomfortable on the ears. Oh, could there be a place for the contraction of the heart? Yes. I can't imagine we could always have an open and expansive heart. We need wisdom foremost. And it can happen that those very sweetly and kindly are expanding their heart, compassion for others and much more, but find that in the expanding of the heart do feel very vulnerable expand the heart but just can't take the brutality that goes on in this world it's hard to take at times just one hard negative hostile voice and that voice could come to us from another at any time and 
you know, when sometimes parents, as an example, or another, as one parent said to the father to his daughter, the daughter uh, told me this in uh, a one-to-one, said to her, she was 20 years of age, he said to her, you're a nobody, you never were anything, and you never will be anything. How vulgar, cruel, and she's among the angels, warm and sensitive. She said it took her eight years to get over that burst of anger from her father. A lot of meditation practice, a lot of working on herself, some therapy and recognising the cruelty of such speech was about him and not about her. So in this expansion of the heart, there is room, plenty of room and recognition in these teachings and practices. We do not always have to have the heart open. We can explore equanimity. We can just stay steady and firm. We are not under the pressure to always be loving, always be kind, always be caring. Too much to ask of a human being. But we do not have to be reactive. And sometimes we know there may be people in our life who do react, do say things to us. We may have a sense of who some of those people are. And it may be important for us to feel prepared that when one's going to meet with her or him or them, to be firm and steady. Not to ask of oneself to be loving and compassionate and caring, but just to stay steady. And the Buddha's analogy of this, I like it because he uses very basic language. He said... People can shit and piss on the earth and the earth will stay steady with it. Be the earth. Because there are some people who are shitting and pissing on people. And and to be the earth, to be firm in the moment so that we're not giving such abusive attacks upon us authority over our inner life. Just do not do that. That's our practice. We leave those cruel, unkind, abusive remarks where they came from. And we're not going to hand over our inner life and let it be affected and harmed by such people. And if we do that, we have the same commitment we're not also going to, to speak and violate the inner life of somebody else. So we have to recognise this application, uh, really, of um, compassion uh, here. And sometimes, like like with a few things, my I had some more white hairs to my fading hair. Um, and one hears it's an import from. I think it's an import from California. Oh, California. Anyway, it's another topic. 
<laughs> and one of, one, one of the languages that's come been imported from, I mean, it may not have come from there, and forgive me, but I bet it did, um, is self-compassion, we hear, we hear this. So again, my precious sweetheart friends, Dharma friends, Dharma teachers, say, oh, Christopher, I did this self-compassion, there I learnt it in wherever, and it's really helpful, etc. People are like me, do you know the word squirm? Squirm. That this is, this is what goes on inside sometimes. Uh, 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 there. And it's, it's too much of the, for me, it's too much of the I mean self-compassion, you know. Sod the best of you, I'm just, I'm more self-compassion just for my little world. Uh, uh, I think one has to tread very, very carefully with, the, with uh, this one. There's too much self-help and self-compassion and whatever, self-inquiry, oh God, I do that. Um, self, <laughs> self-interest, selfishness, self, 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 self. Come on, there's more to life. So the exploration here, my request is, compassion in the Buddhist Dharma is very simple. It is the action to reduce or end suffering for people, animals and the environment. Compassion is an action. It's not sitting and chanting like these lazy Buddhist monks. You know, and and uh, it's not sending out some nice, 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 nice feelings because it makes us feel better. It, it is actually, it's not as one of these meditation teachers defined compassion as the quivering heart. What a quivering view that is. It, it is the action. It always, the, the authenticness is, it is the action. And it's interesting, with compassion, precious is important. Another person may say of, of you, and I would say people, because he or she is such a caring, such a, a compassionate human being. And, and, and there are some really beautiful, compassionate human beings. But why is it, if we say of ourselves to another, it feels weird and uncomfortable? Do you know? <coughs> I'm a very compassionate human being. I just thought I'd better tell you, it's the sixth day, I don't want you to go home and think otherwise. <laughs> And if you need any reminders, let me know. I'll tell you tonight in the inquiry, I'm a very compassionate human being. Just say it half a dozen times and you'll be thinking, do you know when the next retreat is on without Christopher? (laughs) There's something uncomfortable about the I am compassionate. It feels a bit, what was that word somebody used the other day? Weird. It is weird. Compassion is not to do with I am compassionate. Let other people use that. Let you and I use it. Of other people, there's some beautiful people in this room. I've had the privilege of talking to you and heart listens to you and, and gosh, doing such compassionate work in this world. It's a powerful force. But to attribute oneself, jingo. So we, we, I think we need to look at this inner and uh, uh, outer. So in the exploration with you, 
I've touched on evolutionary process, karma, desire, compassion. Have I left anything? Dreams. Oh, dreams. Oh, dreams. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh dear, what a life. <laughs> All right. Two aspects amongst the, the many. But just first a little uh, qualification. A qualification. I actually had a dream last night, which is very, yeah, very unusual. I, it might be, it might be the first dream this year. It was, la- it was last night. Anyway, I'll, I'll touch upon that. I had a dream. Anyway, so I'll touch upon that. <laughs> <laughs> aye, aye, aye. All right. So, I, during, oh, it must be 10 or 15 uh, years ago, I met with one of the, in my view, one of the gods of the earth, Julian David. Julian David is a uh, Englishman who is a senior union analyst in Britain. He was trained by a member in Switzerland of the Jung family. He is a fa- he's in his mid eighties. He's a founder of the Union Society and Training in Britain. He is a union analyst who is the analyst for union analysts. I think we can say he's qualified. He has a library on the farm, which his son runs, uh, and he converted the barn into a library of union books. What Buddha is for Christopher, Jung is for Julian. And so whenever, whenever I had a dream, so infrequently, Julian, I've had a dream. Oh, come on, come around. He lives near, near, nearby and I sit and have, have, a, uh, have a dream. The important thing with the dream is, like much else, it can provide extraordinary insights. You know, there's something goes on in the inner life, and sometimes people on the retreats will report. Christopher had an incredibly vivid dream, you know, really strong dreams uh, uh, there. And just to give you one, which I brought to, uh, 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 I've nightmares. I, I don't. I think I can put hand on heart here. I don't think I've ever had a nightmare, but I hear about them, of course, from others. So in one of the dream, uh, there, I jumped on the train. Of course, you know I travel a lot, so you know, the symbology of this. I jumped on the train, and then I realised I had left my bag behind on the station platform. And I jumped off the train, ran down the platform, and I saw my backpack. Because I'm on on the way to India. I saw my backpack on the platform. And then Julian, and I said, I got the backpack and I got back on the train. And Julian Julian said to me, what was the condition of the backpack? Because in the analysis of the dream, there is the witness to the dream. I had a dream. But the, the dream is the dreamer. All the content represents something. 
and he would ask me first, then he would go. I said, well, it was just there, it was just standing there. And I said, but what was unusual about it, the knot for the backpack, you know, you tie it up and then you put the flap over, it was all open. He said, no problem. It's open. He said, if it was all tied up in a knot, I'd be wondering what you are hiding. Hmm. Like that. Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> well, maybe at least for Christopher. So, in these periodic movements into the dreams, I mean, well, yesterday evening, it was about 10 o'clock, they, they, these four, they, they, they talk to the cows come home, I have to tell you, they, <laughs> you know, about all sorts of things. No idea what, but <laughs> etc. So, come the end of the day, I know, horizontal pasture. Thank God. Uh, and, and then I had this dream. And the dream was, once it, it was walking, hiking, with various friends. And we stopped. And there was a pram. Not a pram, but what baby's sleeping? Pram? Not Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that and and there was a little baby in the pram, and a kitten then jumped onto the pram and was just looking very kindly and sweetly at this new baby. And I stopped and looked at this there, and. With the view, and then I just you know, mentioned to my friends, oh, isn't that sweet? It's so beautiful. This little baby in the pram there, and the kittens there, and the, the, you know, loving little <laughs> baby in the pram. It's, it's got a nice, a nice dream. More important than the fact that it was a nice dream, what did it say? And what it said to me. Uh, were two things. Something fresh and new is going to emerge very soon. Hmm. That's what it said. And it's not only about humans, it's about animals. Something, because a kitten, something fresh and new is happening. Something, whatever. And so when I woke up and the uh, mind just turned. Uh, to that, there was a, a sense of appreciation and acknowledgement. Something new, some, it's going to be a new birth or something in some way or other. That's the sense. And if it happens and you're around next year, I'll tell you what it is. Because at the moment, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So, in the dream uh, world, the content of the the, the dream moves and there. And we might think, this Julian would say to them, this to me regularly, we think it's all about what's inside of me. You know, there's movement inside of me. But he says he prefers to take a more spiritual view of dream world, as Jung would as well. And what he meant by that is to be open to all the influences that may be going on in the night which is influencing upon the dream. It's not just an unconscious, self-enclosed world, he feels. 
because we, our inner life, is bigger than that. And we're receptive to all sorts of forces and movements and the invisible things which we may not pick up. And all of that's moving through the being and sometimes that with the inner life together and it brings out something out of us. We're not a self-enclosed unit, not even in our sleep, are we? And it's the key with the dream that sometimes, it seems to me, the, there can be a clarity and insight which in the day brings a certain kind of receptivity. We can, dreams are really, really, as Jung especially, Jung, I regard him as a, as a Buddha of the West, that, that something can emerge and there's so much to learn from the dynamic. But also, with Jung himself for a moment, his exploration of human experience, unconscious, uh, transference, uh, the dynamics of the, of the inner life, the symbols of the inner life and much more. We can learn a lot from some of these great teachers, some of these great masters which have uh, come, from, come from the West. And they are masters there. And finally, because the time is good to whisper or just stretching. I, I want to ask just a few words. Who wants to ask? Go on. When you finish, I would, like, I would like to just add a few words. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shirley said she'd add a few words when, when uh, finished. So, I believe, have I covered the more or less? <laughs> Oh. Wow. <laughs> All right, done. <laughs> All right. So, finally, finally, finally. All the dynamic, including this afternoon, inwardly and outwardly over the days, is a contribution to our exploration of life, our experience of life, to the wonderful insights and understanding, recognizing the, the benefits of mind and, and heart feeling okay that sometimes we need, we can really say yes to with that open heart. We can learn to feel quite firm, quite steady and say no and let the heart be very, very quiet and not expand and that's quite appropriate in certain situations. To look at the influences, draw from our wealth and riches from the past, can inform us, can be insightful, but to have as the Buddha commented, enough mindfulness, these are the words, to the extent necessary. To be mindful to the extent necessary so that if we know something is unsatisfactory, inference in the past, these problematic desires, this old karma, these like there, can we just work and explore that? If we sense we haven't got the skills to emerge out of that, haven't got the capabilities, then we do need the Sangha. And the Sangha is not Buddhist, it means the gathering or the connection with the other who gives support. That is what the Sangha is. Many people in the secular world and the religious world, they are in Sanghas which are giving support to people. This is one of them which is taking place here and we need the good resources 
uh, of each other for a really awakened life. And that's the best. Let's have uh, two or three minutes of a quiet period together, please. Thank you.